Oh, for those of you who thought I was leaving, I'm back. So glad to see all of you here this morning. So glad you can join us in worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and lifting up our Messiah, Yeshua, so that he might draw people unto himself. Amen? Amen. Last night we looked at Genesis chapter 21. This morning we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 22, specifically verses 1 to 14. And the title of the sermon is, Then He Raised the Knife. Then He Raised the Knife. Wasn't enough to travel three days or build the altar or stack on the wood or bind his son or even to place his son on the altar. No. God waited until the great patriarch Abraham raised the knife. What's the obvious question? Why wait so long? Why does God take us to the edge. Has anybody been there? Do you have the t-shirt? I wore my t-shirt out. Edges ago. And then he raised the knife. You know, there are times when even doing what is right seems like it will backfire on you. Isn't that true? Old habits are hard to break. One guy invariably left the cap to the toothpaste off And for years, his wife had hounded him about it. Finally, on their 25th wedding anniversary, he made a private commitment to break the annoying habit. And so with faithfulness and regularity, he screwed on the toothpaste cap every time he used it. And after a full week of unbroken success, The poor guy was blindsided by his very suspicious wife. She cornered him at the breakfast table and said, Why did you stop brushing your teeth? (laughs) I just thought I'd throw that in there. In today's portion, we observe a man who deeply loved God, but was put in an extremely difficult position by God. He was called upon to give up that which was most most dear to him. We just read a moment ago, Genesis 22, verses 1 to 14, one of the most touching texts in all of Scripture. It was the testing of Abraham, and a sacrifice was required. Beersheba was a town about 30 miles south of Jerusalem, The year was about 1860 B.C. A man over a hundred years old knelt to pray. His name was Abraham. Perhaps no man ever loved God more than he did. Called out of his pagan environment at the age of 75, Abraham followed God to a strange and distant land. He and his wife Sarah were childless. God promised them a son who would be the progenitor of an entire race of people. Finally, long after the normal time of parenting, Sarah gave birth to Isaac. And oh, how Abraham and Sarah loved their son Isaac. 
He would be the receiver of all they possessed one day, the heir to all of God's great promises. Well, Isaac had reached the age of young manhood, and oh, how fine and handsome he was. How blessed the elderly parents must have felt to have such an incredible, wonderful son. And now, alone in his meditation, Abraham prayed and God spoke to him once again. These divine words were nothing but chilling. Genesis 22 and verse 2. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him up there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. You know, in the King James, tempt is really the word test, and it's an intense test. And this would undoubtedly be the greatest test of Abraham's life. He had had some nine tests previously. And when God tested Abraham, everything was designed to make the next test, if you will, that much more difficult. But wait a minute. Thy son? Sacrifice my son? What? A father? Slay his son? Wasn't there anything else in Abraham's tent that God wanted besides his son and his only son? Granted, Ishmael had just been sent away, Genesis 21, 8 to 21, and Sarah and Abraham were too old to have children again. His son, his only son, Isaac, the child of promise, anxiously expected, long, long delayed for some 25 years. He made his parents' hearts laugh. He was the one in whom all his father's hopes were centered. In Isaac shall your seed be. What? Will the gift of God be retracted? Your son, your only son, whom you love? Dear ones, God knew Abraham's heart. There was nothing, nothing, no one that Abraham loved more than Isaac. God never before or since, has ever asked for human sacrifice. Why then? Why then? To test the authenticity of Abraham's faith and to remind Abraham to adore the giver more than the gift. To adore the giver more than the gift. There are many things in life we don't think we can live without. And even the thought of losing those things sends flashes of panic through some of us. 
And at such times, our loving Father must pry our fingers loose from what holds our hearts captive and preoccupies us. But, we protest, I can't live without that position, without that relationship, without that possession, without that you fill in the blank. Luke fourteen twenty six, we must love God supremely. Sometimes that love must be tested. The Bible says of the disciples, they left all and followed Yeshua. A missionary in India was hurrying along the street one day by the Ganges River when he saw a native woman looking at the water. In her arms was a sickly infant, while at her side stood a beautiful, healthy boy. The missionary, on questioning her, found she was in deep distress and was trying to make up her mind to give an offering to her God. He tried to dissuade her, telling her of the love of Yeshua and his sacrifice for her, but after a time, he had to leave. Hours later, he saw her again with the sickly baby in her arms, but the beautiful boy was gone. And he knew what had happened. She had thrown the boy to the crocodiles in the river. She said, I made an offering to my God. But why did you give your healthy boy? Why not this sickly little one? asked the missionary. Rising to her feet, the woman replied, We give our gods our best. Do we? Abraham's obedience was immediate. Knowing God waited for 25 years before giving them Isaac, how would you expect Abraham to react? But there was no arguing. There was no bargaining. No resisting. No doubting. Instead, Abraham got up early in the morning to obey. What amazing faith. I dare say most of us would have slept late. Then laid in bed and then argued with God until noon. If God calls you to do something, dear ones, do it immediately or you may miss your opportunity. Timing is crucial. Timing is crucial. And Abraham cut the wood himself. He left nothing to chance. He was thorough and he was complete. You know, it's easy in the spur of the moment to hastily do some heroic deed, but Abraham had to endure three days of travel to Moriah. Three days of seeing his son for the last time. His voice, his eyes, his features, to observe his most likely precious personality. And then Abraham's own hand would grasp the sacrificial knife. But see the man as he leaves his servants behind lest they interfere. 
See the man as he gathers stones, builds the altar, arranges the wood. See the man as he binds his son and places him on the altar. And finally, I can only assume with tears flowing, he unsheaths his knife and raises it to plunge it into his son's heart. Why didn't God stop Abraham after three days of travel? Why didn't God stop him on his way up the Mount Moriah? Why was it only when he raised the knife did God stop him? And I think the only answer we can come to is this. God wanted total surrender. Total surrender. Dear, when something gut-wrenching happened when Abraham raised his knife, Isaac didn't die on Moriah, but Abraham did. His base nature and will died, and his love for the world died. And at that moment, God stopped him. The test was over. How could Abraham raise that knife? Because his obedience was based on faith. Verse 5. And we, he and his son, will return to you. And as we read in Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19, God cannot lie and his word cannot fail. So God could raise Isaac even if Isaac's body burned up to ashes. And then there's this incredible, mysterious utterance by Isaac in verse 8. Where's the lamb? Abraham paused and said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb. It was fulfilled in part when the ram was caught. But later Abraham beholds a prophetic vision. Verse 14, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. I thought the ram had already been killed. Yes. But the lamb had not yet been provided. What provision did Abraham see? Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. Part of Mount Moriah became the site of the temple where many lambs were sacrificed, but Abraham saw an even better and more enduring sacrifice that would be provided. The very spot where Abraham, the father of many, offered his son became known as Calvary and became the site where another father, our heavenly father, did offer up his son for the sins of the world, slain from the foundation of the world. And as Abraham received back his son in figure from the dead, so God's son did rise to justify us from our sins. Thank God for Abraham's obedience. The story is told of a laborer who was a mature believer 
and gave a solid testimony before everyone he knew, especially at the workplace. His boss came to him one day and said, you know, whatever you've got, I want it. You have such peace and joy and contentment. How can I get this? The laborer said, go to your home, put on your best suit, come down here and work in the mud with the rest of us and you can have it. What are you talking about? I could never do that. I'm the boss. You're the worker. I can't do that. That's beneath my dignity. The boss came back a couple months later and said, I ask you again, what is it that you have and how can I get it? I told you, go put on your best suit, come down and work in the mud with us and you can have it. And again, the boss just got furious and rushed off in a huff. Finally, in desperation, he came back to the laborer and said, I don't care what it takes, I'll do anything. And it was then that the laborer said, will you put on your best suit and come down and work in the mud? The boss agreed that he would do even that. The laborer then said to him, you don't have to. Do you see the point? The laborer knew what was standing between the boss and Messiah. It was pride and it was self. God tested Abraham. I'm afraid, dear ones, we must expect God to test us most likely with what we hold most dear. He that is unprepared may fail the test. And so I ask you, is there something standing between you and Messiah? Do you need healing? Dear ones, sometimes God allows wounds, but he also heals. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Do you need to be saved? I once told uh, a Jewish man that I was uh, witnessing to, sharing my faith, that he really needed to be saved. He told me, to be what? I said, saved. He said, saved. That's what we Jewish people do when we buy wholesale instead of retail. I said, no, it's not the word saved I want you to concentrate on. It's what you're saved from. And he said, what is that? And I said, from an eternal separation from the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he said to me, hi, sweetheart. <laughs> he said to me, what do you mean eternal separation from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That's that Christian stuff. I said, no. As a matter of fact, it's in the Hebrew Scriptures. I said, do you mind if I read you the scripture where it's from? He said, sure, go ahead. And so I picked up the book of Daniel and began reading from chapter 12. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. 
And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting shame and contempt. And I asked him, what do you think everlasting life is? He said, well, you probably want me to say it's being saved by your Jesus. And I said, I didn't ask you what you thought I would say. I said, what do you think everlasting life is? He said, well, it probably means that after you die, your soul goes to heaven. I said, that's pretty good. You've got a pretty decent understanding of everlasting life. But what I asked him, do you think everlasting shame and contempt is? And all of a sudden, the argumentative look came off his face. He said, I don't know. I said, you know what the word everlasting means, don't you? He goes, yeah. I said, have you ever felt shame? He said, yeah. I said, how would you like to feel it forever and ever? Have you ever felt contempt by someone? Yeah. How would you like to feel that forever and ever? He says, I don't think I'd like that. I said, then you have a choice. A choice of everlasting life or everlasting shame and contempt. To which he said, well, I go to the synagogue every Yom Kippur and and atone for my sins. I said, oh, really? I said, how many times do you do that? He says, every year. I said, so last year it wasn't good enough. You got to do it again? He kind of looked at me. I said, do you ever read the prayers in the Yom Kippur Machsor, the Siddur, the prayer book? The prayer goes, may my good deeds have outweighed my bad deeds for the last year so that I may be granted another year of life. I said, did your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds last year? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, by how much? He said, what do you mean? I said, do you think God wants a 51% majority of good deeds? He went, no. I said, yeah, that would be silly, wouldn't it? It's got to be at least 67% because, because that can overturn a presidential veto. And certainly if you can overturn a presidential veto, you can overturn God's judgment. He said, no, God's not like that. I said, you're right. He needs an A+. You've got to get 95% good deeds and 5% bad deeds. He said, what are you driving at? I said, what I'm driving at is that God's commandment is perfection. The Hebrew scriptures say that if you commit one seed, one, one sin, one bad deed, you've committed them all. I said, do you think you could ever live an entire life, 365 days in a whole year, and not do one thing wrong? He said, that's impossible. I said, you are absolutely correct. The only one who did was born 2,000 years ago, and he died in your place so that you wouldn't have to face that everlasting shame and everlasting contempt. I wish that I could tell you that he immediately fell on his knees and gave his life to God. He did not because he still had something too dear in his heart that he had to hold on to. Things like his relationship with his family, 
Things like his relationship with his co-workers. Things like, if I give everything to God, what do I have left? Dear ones, God requires all of you. And if there is anyone here this morning, anyone who has never taken that leap of not just faith, but of trust in the Lord God who sent his only son to be the lamb who was provided on Mount Moriah 2,000 years ago, then this Rosh Hashanah, this Yom Teruah, this feast of trumpets could be the day of your salvation when you are granted eternal life and turned away from eternal shame and contempt. If there's anyone here this morning who needs to make that choice, I invite you just to lift up your hand and say, I believe in God's plan. I believe in the offering of God's Son. It's written and prophesied in the Hebrew Scriptures and it was fulfilled 2,000 years ago and I want life. Is there anyone here today who wants to claim that life? Amen. Is there anyone else here today who wants to claim that life? Amen. Is there anyone else? Amen. Avinu Malkeno, our Father and our King. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, awesome God. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this feast. Thank you for this anointed time. Thank you for all those who are gathered here. If there's anyone here who needed to make that decision but was a little bit afraid to raise their hand in public, Lord, would you please have them come down after the service and speak words, the only words that can grant them eternal life. I believe in the gift of your Son, Father God, to die in my place so that my sins will be forgiven and I might have eternal life. I pray this in the name of our Messiah, Yeshua. And let us all say together, Amen.